I have your list, ma'am. Deidre looked up and saw Rogers holding out a file. I'm running names now for the parents, but I thought you would want to take a look. Thank you, Rogers. As Rogers left her office, an idea hit, and she opened her email to find the one the rec center had sent her the other day regarding Lily's upcoming tournament. Opening the email, she looked at the bracket, then printed a copy to follow up on a hunch. Running to the printer, she grabbed it and went back. Grabbing the first list, Grace Miller's team, the Red Wings, she circled Grace's name before writing it over the team on the bracket. The next team, the Silver Linings, was free from victims so far. Deidre set it aside, ready to do something if she was right. The Yellow Rays were next, and, not for the first time, she wondered who on earth it was who came up with these names. Caitlin Summers' name was on that list, so Deidre added it to the bracket. White Warriors were next, and once again Deidre sent up a prayer of thanks her daughter wasn't on that team, so she didn't have to deal with those white uniforms. This list was also victim-free, but the feeling in the pit of her stomach said that it might be a matter of time before that changed. Gold stars were next, and the butterflies in her stomach did a dance as she saw her daughter's name along the roster. Such connections were driving her a bit nuts, and Deidre once again almost reached for her phone to check on her. She's okay. She's at school. She'll be fine. Deidre let out a deep breath and put that list together with the two that didn't have victims yet. Green Goals revealed Jesse Phillips' name, so it was added to the bracket, followed quickly by Emily Lee, representing the Maroon Mavericks. That left the Blue Lagoons, along with the Stars, Linings, and Warriors. Half the bracket was filled, the other half wasn't. Taking the list, she headed over to Roger's desk. While the checks are running, can you find me some contact info, preferably email, for these? You can get it from Lexi Lestrade at the rec center. Actually, while you're talking to her, ask her to come in. Feeling like she was at least making progress, she chanced to look at the clock and realized there wasn't a lot of time left in the search for Caitlin Summers. She had leads, but no solid clues as to where the girl might be. That led to other questions. Going back to her evidence board, Deidre studied the pictures. None of the victims had been killed where their bodies were placed which meant they had scenes for body dumps, but no idea where the murders actually took place. Where were the true scenes of the crimes? Glancing at the report on her desk, she wondered if that fish thing really was something. Granted, that narrowed it down some, but not a whole lot. With miles of coastline stretching down one side of the city, who knew how many boats and fishermen there were out there? Well, someone knew but she had a feeling she didn't have time to wait for that kind of information. Unless, unless it wasn't a fisherman. Following the map with her finger, Deidre traced a stretch of land by the ocean. Processing plants lined this area, serving commercial fishermen eager to get their catch from their boats to restaurants across the country. And they would have knives like the ones Angus said. But most were automatic now, having cut jobs to save money thanks to the recession. In fact, a few closed because they went under, allowing vacant buildings to sit abandoned in a once vibrant area. But knives, numbers, timelines, what if they were connected? What if the numbers led to the bodies or to the next kidnapping? Deidre paused at the board and looked, working off a timeline that relied on Angus's approximate time of death for Grace. But was it feasible that the number of notches lined up to when Jessie was kidnapped to have her at the Children's Museum during the blackout? 
But that would mean... A shadow crossed her desk, and she looked up to see Jackson. They found Caitlin. The wind blew the swings back and forth across the empty playground as officers rolled out crime scene tape, sealing the area off from the rest of the world. Pulling her trench coat close, Deidre stepped out of the car and breathed in the cold, salty air. Definitely not something she would ever grow tired of. That was not something that could be said about the sight that waited for her on the playground. An old-fashioned wooden jungle gym, a rarity in this world of plastic and metal, stood a couple stories high. Fort-like in its appearance, it served as that, or a castle, depending on who occupied it. Where's the body? Did return to Hamilton, who was taking statements from a family. Two small children crowded close to their parents. Hamilton pointed up, like Rapunzel in her tower. You've got to be kidding me.